Hello and welcome to Judas Roar Podcast. My name is Jordan Griffith. I'm a minister and it is my prayer that this podcast helps you grow in your relationship with God. Walk with me through the garden of relationship as I share with you the words that the Lord has put on my heart and I pray that the messages are a blessing to you. Hello and welcome to Judas Roar Podcast once again. This is Jordan Griffith, and I want to bring a, a message that is really close to my heart. Um, I learned a lot about this passage of Scripture and the n- name meanings that I'll cover in just a moment. Uh, right after I lost my son, my firstborn son, Judson, um, learned a lot about inner healing as I began to study and learn more about this. I'm just amazed because healing can come from the Word. He said He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. And this isn't what you would, I guess, really on the surface think about as an in, inner healing. But it's uh, to me, it's just amazing. This comes from Genesis chapter 41. I'm going to start reading in verse 50. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, who Aseneth, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the first called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all of my tool and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And what's amazing about this is the name Manasseh. So this is after, let me give you some backstory first. This is after Joseph has been restored. So if you remember, Joseph was sold into slavery when he was 17 years old. Uh, they took the coat of many, his brothers took the coat of many colors from him, cast him into a pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites traveled down to Egypt. He was in Potiphar's house. He did well in Potiphar's house. Um, and then Potiphar's wife, um, basically chased after him, uh, to get her to, to get Joseph to, to lie with her to commit adultery with her, and he wouldn't, and he fled from that, and she caught him by the coat and said, you know, this is evidence, he tried to to assault me. Um, so then he was thrown into prison for it, and he was in prison for a number of years until he was uh, able to interpret a dream of a baker and a cupbearer and interpret these correctly and then it was another two more years because the cupbearer whenever he was restored by Pharaoh forgot about Joseph until Pharaoh had a dream about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows and seven good ears of wheat and seven diseased and and uh barren like uh 
ears of grain or wheat. And whenever he heard Pharaoh had such a dream, he's like, oh, there is a guy that I was supposed to speak to you about two years ago that can correctly interpret dreams, bring, bring him up. And Joseph interprets the dream. You know, there's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. So during the seven years of plenty, we really need to put back and store up what grain we can so that we can survive the seven years of famine that's going to follow right after that. And Pharaoh says, you know, there is no one else who has the Spirit of God like him. And so he restores him. And he's, and the words that the, the Bible actually says in 41 is that Joseph was made to ride the second chariot. And he said, you will only be second, you will be second to me only in the throne. Any other way in the kingdom, you are my equal. And we're talking about Pharaoh here. It's a big deal. So after that, Joseph, he's 30 years old. So this is 13 years later from 17 being sold. Excuse me just a moment. From 17 years of being sold, 17 years old to 30 is 13 years. 13 years he's been sold and he's been a servant in Potiphar's house and he's been in prison. And now he's been restored. He's got the finest clothing in Egypt. He's riding the second chariot behind Pharaoh. He's the second in command of all Egypt. And he's married. And he has a firstborn son named Manasseh. And it, the scripture says, Because the Lord has caused me to forget all of my toil, or my toil in all of my father's house. Now, I don't think that Manasseh means that he forgot about where he came from. And I'll get to why in just a moment. Uh, but I think the real big thing here is Joseph is basically saying, God has restored me in such a way that it's as if I've forgotten that it ever happened. In other words, it wasn't bad enough to cause me some traumatic memories or to have a lasting traumatic effect on my life to where it permanently disables my life or permanently alters my life. In other words, he's restored me in such a way that it's almost as if I have forgotten about what's happened. That's that's amazing. That is the power of God whenever somebody can go through something that Joseph did for 13 years, never seeing his father again, and the hurt and the betrayal by the brothers, and being wrongly accused of a crime that he didn't commit, and being in the jail for however long, being forgotten by somebody whom he helped out for another two years. And he's saying, I'm, I have been restored in such a way that it's almost as if I forgot that it ever happened. That's some restoration. Whenever the trauma of the uh, loved one that's passed away or the financial setback or the loss of job or the 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 rejection that you felt among people when you can stand up and say that the Lord has caused me to forget not that you have forgotten necessarily but you live your life and you are restored in such a way that you have that it, it as it's as if it's as if you have forgotten that's some restoration and then the next son that's born is Ephraim the land the Lord has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction Ephraim means double-branched fruitfulness. 
And see, before the Lord can make you fruitful, you have to be restored. He has to restore you in such a way that it that's is if you've forgotten, and then he can make you fruitful. So your life is no longer controlled by the trauma. You're no longer a victim. You don't have a victim mentality. You're not uh, you're not obsessed over the hurt and the rejection and you know, and I don't mean that lightly, I don't mean that in a negative way, but your life goes on and your behavior and your personality as if you have forgotten about it. It doesn't affect you in a negative way. You haven't been defiled by a root of bitterness that has happened. You are restored in such a way that it's as if you have forgotten that it has happened to you, even if you haven't. Now, how do I know that Joseph didn't forget his brothers. Well, there's more to the story. God has a way of linking Joseph back up with his family. Jacob sends his sons down to Egypt because he hears that there's storehouses of grain there in the the year of famine. Joseph recognizes his brothers, and he recognizes that uh, Benjamin, his younger brother, isn't uh, with them. Now, what's interesting about Joseph and Benjamin is uh, they share a common mother. Well, don't all the tribes? Not necessarily. Leah uh, gave birth to the most. I think she gave birth to five sons. And then she had a, and then there was uh, Zilpah and Bilhah, which were handmaidens of Leah and Rachel. So Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel. They were sisters. And Leah had a lot of children, about five of them. Rachel, for the longest time, didn't have any. So she gave her handmaiden to Jacob and said, have them through the handmaiden. So there was a couple that was had through the handmaiden. And then I think Leah was in competition said, well, here's my handmaiden. And Jacob had some sons by Leah's handmaiden. And then, eventually... Rachel gets pregnant with Joseph, the main person in our story. And then she gets pregnant one more time with Benjamin. So Joseph and Benjamin were the only two children to come from Rachel. So Benjamin was Joseph's little brother, and Benjamin was the only full-blooded brother that Joseph had. All these other brothers came from different mothers. They came from Leah or Zilpah or Bilhah. So there wasn't as much connection that Joseph had because cause here's what happened. So he notices Benjamin isn't with them and he says and he and they don't so his brothers don't know that it's Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them and says, uh, all of you are spies. He said, you, ha- you said you had a brother, bring him here. Talking about Benjamin. And so he kept one of them captive, Simeon. And so they went up back into Canaan and said, we got to bring Benjamin to him. And of course, Jacob really didn't like that idea because Jacob favored Rachel and Benjamin was the only son he had left because he believed Joseph was dead, if you remember. Uh, because they went back and told him after they uh, told Jacob after they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites that 
um, that a wild beast has killed him, killed Joseph. So he believes that one of the sons of Rachel is dead. So he doesn't want to lose the other one, but he eventually gives in and sends Benjamin down. And so this is in Genesis 43. So you're reading Genesis 41 where he got restored. Genesis 42 and 43 has some of this. And this is 43 and 29. It says, Then Joseph lifted his eyes up and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he, and he said, God be gracious to you, my son. It says, Now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went into his chamber and wept there. Wow. This is so amazing. Because here you have Joseph. His heart yearned for his little brother. The only connection that he has left to his mother. The full-blooded brother. These other brothers didn't come from... Came from his father, but not from his mother. And it says that he yearned for him. Joseph, or excuse me, Benjamin was little. Whenever... And so he missed out a lot on, on, you know, Benjamin growing up. Thirteen years has passed. I don't know how old Benjamin was, really. But he was younger than 17 because Joseph was 17 whenever he was sold into slavery. So he's missed a lot. He missed out on seeing his little brother, you know, hit a lot of, of, of milestones in life so far and missed out on the relationship, and it was still very so close to his mother. Rachel actually died giving birth to Benjamin, okay? So she, the Bible actually says her soul was departing as she was giving birth, you know? So, so this is the last thing that he has left of his mother, the closest thing he has. Jacob felt the same way. That's why he didn't want to turn Benjamin loose in the first place. And his heart yearned for him, and he wept. So no, Joseph didn't forget his father's house. He was restored in such a way that it's as if he forgot, and yet here he is, and he's weeping over Benjamin. Having lost a son of my own, this is what I can tell you from personal experience. And this is why I think this means what I think it means. God can restore you in such a way as if it had never happened. And you can gain functionality back in your life. You can go back to your job. You can go back to your ministry. You can continue to have relationship with your family and go out and have, you know, social functions and get back into church and, you know, Go on life as normal, for the most part. There's always going to be a part of you that knows that and recognizes that something is missing from your life. And you could apply this to if you've been in a divorce. You know, we think mourning is somebody who died, but mourning can be something that is lost. You can mourn the loss of your wedding band if you can't find it. You can mourn the loss of a parent. You can mourn a marriage or a relationship that didn't work out. You can't stay there. You do have to grieve for it. You do have to mourn for it. 
God made us with emotions. There's a healthy way to express those. And we do have to acknowledge those and feel those. But we don't have to be controlled by them. God restore, God births Manasseh in you and restores you in such a way. It's as if you've forgotten. And then he makes you fruitful. Then Ephraim comes along. He makes you fruitful where you're at. And then yet out of all of this, Joseph weeps for Benjamin. Even though God has restored you and has brought you out of a hard season, even though He has restored you like Manasseh, and it's as if some days it's as if you've forgotten that it's happened to you, and He's made you fruitful where you're at, and you can't, and and you're you stand amazed at how faithful God is and how He's done all these things, and yet there's a reminder, and you weep for your Benjamin. And I'm here to tell you today that that's okay. It's okay for your heart to yearn for, uh, for, for something like that. You don't let it control you. You might have your moment. I still have my moments. There's some moments that I still miss my son. There's some moments where you might miss your mom or you might miss your dad. You might miss the uh, opportunity that you that, that you had that, that got taken away from you. You might miss, you know, whatever it is. You fill in the blank. What's, what's go? I mean, whatever's went on in your life. And there might be times that you weep for your Benjamin. But you stand up after you're weeping. And you go on. This reminds me also of the story of Ziklag. David and his men were out fighting a battle, and they came back to the city named Ziklag, and there was uh, an enemy that had come in and just absolutely uh, wrecked the place, stole all the wives and the children, and absconded with them. It was a bad time. And, said, and the Bible says that David, King David, sat down and wept till he had no more power to weep. And the men were talking about stoning him. They're like, this is all David's fault. He's the one who led us here. Let's stone him. And it says that there was no one to encourage him, so he encouraged himself in the Lord. And they got up and they pursued them about three days. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was the Amalekites. But, at the end of that, David recovered all. Why? Because even though he was weeping for, what, for something that he had lost, he was still a military leader. Even though David would go on to lose a son, he was still a king. And so, here's the thing. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to weep. It's okay to express that emotions. I don't care if you're man or woman. Jesus wept. Okay, man, it's okay to cry. Let's address that elephant in the room. It's okay to cry. In fact, there are some things that will not be released in your life until you cry, until you let that emotion out. Okay? 
But remember, you don't stay there. You have a Manasseh moment. You have, you're in your season of Manasseh and Ephraim. God has restored you in a such a way that it's as if you've forgotten that the loss or something like that has ever happened. Not that you have forgotten, but that you can function as if you have. And if you find yourself occasionally weeping for your Benjamin, that's okay too. You know, the Bible says that he is close to the brokenhearted and saves those to be of a contrite or a crushed spirit. It says this too. It says that he heals the brokenhearted. He's not just close to the brokenhearted, but he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. So in all these things, in the turmoil and the pain and the emotional grief that we feel God is for you he's faithful and even if you are in a in a season right now where you've been restored and you've birthed your Manasseh and your Ephraim and you feel like you have to weep over your Benjamin it's not that you're not healed it's not that God hasn't restored you. God had restored Joseph. Joseph means God will add. God had added to him a Manasseh and an Ephraim and second chariot riding the second chariot behind Pharaoh. All the kingdom of Egypt equal to Pharaoh in every way except the throne. And yet he weeps over his little brother. And that's okay. So I want to pray for you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for the healing power of the stripes of Jesus that was not just born for physical hurts and pains and sicknesses and diseases, but also for emotional things, for, uh, for emotional healing, for mental healing, for spiritual healing. Lord, and I ask you, God, that every person listening to this under the sound of my voice, Lord, that listens to this podcast would hear your, the voice of your healing word, God, and the comfort of your comforter, the great and holy and awesome Holy Spirit of heaven would just touch the hearts and the souls and the spirits of those that are listening, that they will know that it's okay to weep for Benjamin. And it doesn't mean that they're not healed. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them, but that they're just weeping for their Benjamin. And I thank you, Lord, for restoring them as Joseph. I thank you, Lord, for restoring the years that the locust and the canker worm has taken away. I thank you, Lord, for for bringing them into a Manasseh and Ephraim season. I thank you, Lord, that they've seen the order of that, and they're going through the order of allowing you to be to restore them in such a way that it's as if they've forgotten, and then bring them into their season of fruitfulness. I thank you, Lord, for all that. But I thank you, Lord, that in your magnificent and all-knowing way, 
that you revealed to us that Joseph still wept for Benjamin. In Genesis 43. And Lord, we thank you, God, for your comfort. We thank you, Lord, for your healing. For the blood of Jesus that saves us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you've not made that move yet. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior. Can I invite you to pray this prayer with me? Romans 10 and 9 says that if we believe in our heart or confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that He is raised from the dead, that we shall be saved. For what the heart man believes unto Righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So will you pray with me? Will you accept Jesus into your heart and enter into a daily relationship with Him? If that's you, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent of my sins. Wash me clean. Forgive me of my wrongdoings. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. Wash me from all my sins. I enter a relationship with you because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead. I thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that if you prayed that prayer and you really believed it in your heart, the Holy Spirit was dealing with you, convicting you, and you prayed that prayer with sincerity of heart, I believe that you're saved. There's no magic words or formula to that. It's... Romans 10, 9, that's the gospel. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that He is raised from the dead, you shall be saved. That's what the Word of God says. So feel free to reach out to me. Let me know if you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let me know if God started a healing work in you because of this Word. And may you be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.